I would call Pantera, you ready for this? Party, power, thrash, groove, boogie, shred metal. Absolutely. Amen. I'd say that fucking, <laughs> it fucking hits the nail on like the head. It. I like it. This is Metal Nerdery. It's Metal Nerdery. Y'all listening to Metal Nerdery. Oh my god, I can't believe it. It's fucking Metal Nerdery. Hi, this is Millie Petroza, and you're listening to Bill, Adam, and Matt. This is fake obvious, Osborne. <laughs> and you're listening to Metal Nerdery. <laughs> Effervescent force that is known as metal nerdery. I like that word. I just had to use it. And the effervescence ah. is because of beer. Thank you. That's right. <laughs> so we're going to do an album dive. Yes. We need like a good homemade like <clears throat> game show theme music for the metal, er- metal nerdery album dive. I'm sure we could make some yeah. work on that. Yeah, right, we're going to talk about Cowboys from Hell. Uh, hey, hey guys, if you want, I can do a real quick plug for you. Uh, hey everybody, this is Millie. We're doing uh, the Metal Nerdery album dive, Pantera, Cowboys from Hell. Get back, back to you guys. Thanks, Millie. Yeah, I appreciate it. All right, well. Uh... I'll be on the couch if you need me. <laughs> Released uh, July 24th, 1990. Wow. Perfect timing. Summer. Yes. Ready to... Rock out with something brand new. So. I don't. I don't think I heard about it until maybe like that Christmas. It was later in the year, like in the fall. It might have been when school started back. And we're dating ourselves. But yeah, I didn't know about it in the summer. And I think when school went back, everybody was like, "Dude, have you heard of Pantera?" I think that's when I got into it. Was school started back, and everybody was. I don't know. Somehow it it started. You know what I mean? It was like the focal point because it started kind of seeping through the consciousness, and people start talking about it. I'm like, I've not heard it. They're like. You haven't heard Pantera? I'm like, dude, no. I remember being in, you know, in the band. And I don't know if it was. Um, I'm sure it was Eddie that first, you know, got the bug. And I remember he he was one of the first ones yeah, I heard yeah, about. Yeah, talk about yeah, it. Yeah, because I think he All made the stars he, uh, lined up. He dubbed me a cassette. Yes, and uh, pretty much probably wore that out. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. That was that was easily a turning point for. I think we said this before, but that was definitely like the kill them all for the '90s. Because they completely reset the whole bar for metal and really kind of took the thrash element and, you know, sort of added some whey protein powder and steroids and took it to the gym. And Yeah, well, that's what I was going back and listening to it now with older ears. You can hear a lot of uh, stuff. You can hear a lot of the classic metal the elements, stuff to it. Because going back sure. now and listening to it, there's quite a few times where I was picking up some Priest. Like, oh, there was a ton time. of it, but they really? were like big. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, they were like priest disciples. I mean, they yeah. all, that was kind of ironic because I know that Dime and Vinny and those guys were into priests, but I think Phil was into them too. So when they finally well, came together, yeah. it was like, because well, priest, priest was throwing out the Halford pretty strong back then, you know, I mean, oh, yeah. before he went gruff. But he, but he had that vibe though. I mean, that was early on. That's why when they went to Vulgar, it was like, wait, what happened to the, the really high vocals that he was doing. It's like, no, no more. But it was definitely a Judas Priest. Even the music, I was thinking about that. Some of the chord changes and stuff. Oh, yeah. That feel yeah. to it. Big time. But it just kind of, it mixed a lot of that classic stuff. And they still had a twinge of the hair metal type. Every once in a while, you get little bits of that. But then it brought that 
that new heaviness. You know, I had, like you said, it had the thrash to it. It had the fun of hair metal, I think. Right. Well, that yeah, exactly. That's kind of the way I was. Like the Van Halen party thrash thing. Because there's a couple yeah. breaks in there. There's a couple lead breaks where it's like a heavy Van Halen. Yeah. The way, the way Vinny and Rex were just kind of bouncing around behind the solo. It just sure. Had, that's what I kind of equated it to. It's like a, it was like heavy and dark, but it still maintained that element of like fun. You know what I mean? It just like, it made you want to groove. Get, yeah. But, they, but the they funny thing is, to it. I never thought about the Van Halen, even though he was like a huge Eddie Van Halen disciple. I never thought about the Van Halen angle of Pantera being like a like a party band like Van Halen. Right. That's they a good really, analogy. Yeah, yeah they were they were like a party band kind of for us guys that like heavier shit. Sure. They were our they were our generation's Van Halen. Pretty much. There we go. Well, but, now that that's settled. <laughs> of course, I'm sure the old Van Halen home videos are probably mostly just like <clears throat> girls and blow. They probably weren't nearly as exciting as the Pantera. Home hookers videos. and blow. Hookers <laughs> and blow. I'm sure they were partying for sure. Oh yeah, but I'm not sure, Van Halen sure. partying. <laughs> what, what was that shirt they had? It said "Bad Company did it, so can we." And then "ED" in green letters. I'm like, <laughs> what do they mean by that? <laughs> Open your eyes. <laughs> Terry well, Day production. That's good stuff. Yeah, that's, I kind of looked into Terry Date a bit. and uh, He's got a hell of a resume, oh, man. Yeah, I've, I've got, uh, even before he got with them in 90, he, before he got with them, he'd already worked with like Metal Church, Chastain, Sanctuary, The Accused. Wow. Bill, nice, yeah. Uh, Dream Theater, first album. Did not know that. Well, I, I did know that. Uh, Soundgarden, Overkill, even some Sir Mix-A-Lot. <laughs> not yeah. metal, by the way. Um, so after he hooked up with, Pantera, he, he worked with them all the way through Trendkill, and then on uh, the last album they brought in another guy, I'm not sure why. But but you know what's uh, interesting about that though? The, the production, because all the Pantera albums up to that point had a very consistent production quality, but even when, after Trendkill was what the um, Reinventing the Steel yeah. it's, it still had that precision to it, but it wasn't quite as clean. Like it was still like razor sharp Pantera precision, but it was like, it was a little more, it little, it breathed a little more, but, but had a little bit more of a live quality. Maybe, kinda, maybe, but like all those Terry data albums were just like, I was telling, telling Bill earlier, it was like just metal. that's just cut to like pristine razor sharp precision, but it's just like, like I watched a crazy uh, little video of Terry date. And he said, basically when they went in to record, he was like, I, I was there basically just to keep the wheels on the ground. He was like, they knew what they wanted to do. Sure. He's like, I was just there to, to try to keep capture it on it. track, capture it. He said, uh, Vinny was kind of like a natural engineer already. Well, they work with their dad at the studio yeah. and stuff. And he said, Dime, Dime knew what he wanted to do, but he wasn't so much on the recording and technology of it. You know what I mean? He's like, the production side of it, yeah. you mean? I could so, see that. But so that- he would, he worked with, uh, Terry Date pretty closely getting his tones and everything he said dime was never 100 percent happy but whoever it is right so of course yeah but when uh, you go back and listen to it now it's just like oh my god it was a totally different kind of guitar sound than what we were oh man because i mean we were i mean really probably pretty much everybody we listened to was marshall's you know what i mean but it, but the fact that it a was a little bit thinner kind of like, like if you think back to the 80s like how metallica was sort of like like the puppets album damn Technical difficulty. Sorry about that. Freaking idiot. Damn, Millie. But you know the sound of. Uh, sorry, sorry. Uh, I'll, I'll be back. I'm going Millie. upstairs for pasta. Millie, Millie, sit down. Bro. Sorry, 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 man. 
but you know, in the in the 80s, Master Puppets had like that production guitar, that quality is like that's the sound. Everybody wants that sound for mm-hmm. thrash. That was Mesa. But then in the 90s, with because he had a solid state rig. I mean, right. it wasn't even exactly. a tube amp. Yep. And for you guitar nerds out there, it's a totally different sound with solid state versus tube. That's a whole other podcast. Anyway, but it was like that sound was just as soon as you heard it, it was like. That's Pantera. There's no doubt. When I hear no, that absolutely. guitar sound, I know exactly who that is. That's right. I read one thing where they said basically Pantera kind of ruined it for everybody else with the production on this album because everybody had to like step it up. Step it up. Yeah. I mean, this stuff was tight. It was tight. It was razor. I mean, it was, yeah. I mean, Loud it, it was, and in your face. But all of it, like clean. just going mm-hmm. through the tracks. I know we hadn't even gotten into the tracks here yet, but I mean, like listen to it the other day, it's just brutal. Well, and the way they uh, use reverb and stuff. I mean, well, I, I, some of these other guys I worked on the album, but uh, even after he started working with Pantera, Terry Date was like he did twenty four seven spies, Fishbone, Mind Funk, Prong, White Zombie, Helmet, Handsome, I mean, just, Wow, Handsome, Corn, even you know Smashing Pumpkins, whatever. Slayer. I wonder what Slayer album he produced. I think it was the last one. But uh, anyway, uh, no, Ruben, I think Ruben did the last uh, one. Yeah, that's yeah. true. And then your assistant engineer guy, he worked on a bunch of different stuff, but he, he did some Fifth Angel, Overkill, Fate's Warning, even some Gary Moore, Drive-By Truckers. Wow, that's a, that's a pretty varied resume. But the biggest one that had the most stuff was the guy that did the mastering, this guy, Howie Weinberg. Howie sounds like a very talented individual. Howie, but I mean, I just I just wrote... I wrote all of this down, and this is like just brushing. Wow. I mean, Aerosmith, Alice Cooper, Andrew Dice Clay. Angelo Badalamente. Yeah, the Twin Beaks. I put that on there because of the the Thrax, Beastie Boys, Blind Melon. Bjork. Butch Walker. Wow. For us Atlanta people. Clutch. Cheap Trick. Fear Factory. Herbie Hancock. James Brown. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Rush. Scorpions. Yeah. Seven does for the Atlanta people. Anyway, he's, I mean, he's, and that's just like, just a, uh, you know, brushing the surface. I wonder how many of those came after. That guy's, he's done a lot. 1990. But I'm wondering, like, when they did that in 1990, like, how many of these guys had done all those bands prior to Cowboys? Because, you know, I mean, it's possible they could have done it afterwards, but it's like, were they doing all that stuff leading up to Cowboys from hell? I I know Terry Date was, but. uh, Well, a lot of them had worked on. Fifth Angel, oddly enough. Yeah, that would have been a late 80s. For you folks that remember the old Howard Stern TV show, Fifth Angel was the opening track for that, which was very cool. Yeah. Anyway, I just thought that was interesting, kind of get an idea where the people that were behind the sound came from. I mean, a lot of metal, but then a lot of other stuff. I I think you can take all those extra properties that you learn from other kinds of music and use it to your advantage when doing metal, like the whole thinking outside the box thing. Yep. Absolutely. Because they definitely got an outside the box kind of sound. Yeah, that was one thing going, I guess one thing that kind of popped into my mind going back and listening to it now is I think maybe they they might could have shortened some of the songs up a little bit, but I don't know. I mean, it, it worked for what it was, but. Well, I mean, they had more of the, I don't even want to say progressive element, but like some of the things, like particularly Cemetery Gates. and Which uh, is their longest song ever, right. by the way. But I mean, I'm ever? Sure. Yeah. Yeah, I guess that makes sense. Wow. 
But, you know, yeah, some of them, and I think they did that over time with subsequent albums where they kind of tightened their focus because a lot of their songs really didn't stretch beyond like the four minute mark. Yeah. Unless they got longer, like Floods, that was kind of like a stretched out kind of thing. And But they yeah. still kind of had that whole power metal thing. I mean, let's, let's remember the album before Cowboys from Hill. Was right, power right. Metal. No, I mean, that's, Cowboys from Hill. That's where we're from. Well, that's what I, you know, I put my, my, myself in the mindset of that. And remember the kind of the length of songs that we were writing, you know right. what I mean? And yeah. we were like, how long can They're we make it? Yeah. <laughs> and the irony is that some of those songs, like, this goes on forever. It's like, yeah, it's three minutes and 58 seconds. <laughs> what? <laughs> what are you talking about? So, But it's it's a little, uh, you know, in the grand scheme of things, there's a bunch of five-plus minute songs there, which... Yeah, Psycho Holiday, when I was listening to it the other day, I was, I was thinking the same thing. Man, this song seemed... I mean, it's a badass song, but it just at, seems like at some they point it they could have yeah, trimmed a little bit. Yeah, here and I was, there. it's funny because I was thinking the exact same thing, and then, but they I, still, and then I looked up to see how long it was. I but was they like, still oh, kind of had all those elements of like the virtuosic guitar playing and like some of the progression in the riffs. So it's almost like they still kind of had that because the whole power metal genre is more like I guess like Armored Saint, kind of like that ilk, sort of back then prior to this. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, and those elements had like more of the kind of neoclassical guitar stuff and the shred stuff and so there was probably some holdover from that because when they went to vulgar they really stripped it down and kind of shaved off the oh yeah excess yeah. Yeah. i think i think what it was mainly for me was like there was quite a few songs where they would like they would go back in for like a last verse or something and you're just kind of like eh, you know i don't know if yeah. you really needed to do that per se but, but you could kind yeah. of tell how they were experimenting with some of those because they did with some and then there were some like primal concrete sledge was the most abnormal pattern of a song right. I've ever heard. Cause oh, no, when that, uh, yeah, when Primal came on the first time you heard it, that was like a just <laughs> fucking just kick to the face. Yeah. You know, we'd, we'd never really heard anything like that yeah. at that point. I mean, it was just brutal. And that's one of those songs that's, oh, shit, that's already over. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. That, that was one of those songs when the drums first started and that, that meow. And I just heard it. it was like, holy shit, what the hell am right, I listening right. to? And then the video, what was it, the, uh, the uh, Moscow, Moscow thing? Video. Oh, my God. You ever seen that one? Yeah. That's, that's just one. like, dude. <laughs> yeah, we talked the about that before. That just thing the is, intensity of that. But the energy, and think of what they must have been feeling, because these guys at this point, they're like 22, 23 years old, and they're playing in front of upwards of a million people in a foreign country. I was yeah, reading uh, Rex's autobiography, and he was talking about when they went to Russia. It was like a, like a different world, man. He was like, I don't know, man. It's totally different over here. Yeah, because I mean, up until that point, but they, I mean, they'd put four albums out, but they were mainly just playing around Texas and stuff. Sure. Yeah, you know? more I local mean, style gigs. They'd never really toured before, mm-hmm. so you know. Well, Vinny that's was what talking I, about the doing clubs for years and years and years. Yeah, yeah, but see that I think that probably in a way that was good for them because. They were in an area, they were at a spot where they were comfortable, you know, fine tuning things, mm-hmm. getting their stage show down and all that kind of stuff. And then something I read basically, Halford saw them. At like some before club they got show. signed or whatever? Yeah. Oh, really? Or maybe like right when, I can't remember the timing of it, but Halford saw them at a show and they were like, you know, come up, you know, and, and they were like, he says, uh, you guys know any pre-songs? And they're like, do you know what Dixie beer tastes like? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, 
so they he got up there and played with him, and he basically kind of took him under his wing and, and took him out on tour with Priest. Oh, oh that's wow. awesome. Yeah. That's and, like a success story right there. Yeah, mm-hmm. Halford, even Halford's like, you know, I'd go out there every night and watch those guys because it was like it was something brand new. It was like he's like I was watching something unfold, you know. He's like, right. I went back and told the, told the other guys in the band that we got to take these guys with us, you know. Oh, yeah. And what's funny because I think in retrospect now when I go back and I listen – and you kind of hear how some of this sounds sort of priest-like. And then you got to remember, Painkiller came out two years after this. So, I mean, you got to tell me, you can't tell me that this didn't have an influence on Painkiller uh, uh, a little bit. That was it too, I thought Painkiller came out in 90 because we saw I him thought at it was 92. I don't know, whatever. But regardless, though, Priest was always a strong impact on Pantera, which is ironic because they were a strong impact on Pantera and Slayer. But right, Slayer, yeah. the early Slayer stuff didn't have much of a priest bent to it, but it seemed more like the early Pantera stuff, or at least Cowboys Forward, or Cowboys really, let's be honest, was more like a big priest infusion. Right. You could really tell. Okay, yeah. Yeah, it was 90. Okay. Is that right? Yeah, you're right. Go ahead and just say I, it. I, uh, yeah, you were right. I, Matt, I apologize. you were right. I told you. I'm sorry. I never <laughs> doubted you. You were right about everything. Ball. You're so smart. Anyway, back to the Your show. memory is ridiculous. So. It's really ridiculous. I can't tell you what kind of shirt I was wearing that day, but I can <clears throat> I can tell you, I believe, that was the fall of my senior year in high school. Thank you. Graduated right. early, too. Yeah, I was totally talking out of my ass. This actually came out Impressed. a few months before Cowboys. So, But still, even though. Just still the influence. I, I think, mean, Priest I think was maybe there was influence. a little bit of back and forth. I mean, obviously, Priest was an influence on them, but. Just going back and listen, I, I can't help but think if they were taking Pantera out, Pantera's enthusiasm didn't rub off on them a little bit. Well, not to mention, how can you not be affected by that? I mean, it's like even like seasoned, you know, veterans. Like there was a period. Well, you remember back in like when God Hates Us All came out when Slayer put that out on nine eleven. How weird that was! But it was like there were riffs they were doing that was kind of new metal. And they were kind of being influenced by stuff that was coming up at the time. So it's like, and there might have been stuff they liked, they just unconsciously were influenced by it. But it's like, if they were already priest disciples anyway, Pantera, and then they dug their stuff, and then the priest guys see them, and it's like, well, we dig what they're doing. And it's like, it's like they're indirectly, we're indirectly influencing ourselves through somebody else, (laughs) which sounds crazy. That's really deep, man. But that's what happened. I mean, how could they not be influenced by them if they actually dug their shit and what they were doing, you know? I mean, there's just no way. Right. But that is kind of a cool story, though. Yeah. Well, it reminds me, total side note, unrelated, but when we got uh, Nick in the band back in the day, we were oh, letting yeah. him, we, he comes over to hear us play, and we are playing, and he's like, yeah, it was good. He's, that one song, that one part sounds just like Slayer, though. And we're like, no, that sounds like Slayer. Oh, yeah. And then he's like, you got the tape? Of course I got the tape. Put it in, he cues it up, and he plays it back. We listened to it. We were like, shit. It was, it, it was the intro, It was the very beginning of Jesus Saves, and I thought I'd come up with this killer riff, and it was like, God damn it. <laughs> damn it all. Oops. But, uh, I was yeah. a bit unhappy about that. As far as, the, as far as the tracks goes, I mean, you know, obviously Cowboys and and uh, Primal Concrete Sledge and Domination and, you know, you know, obviously the first side was great, but the second side, I wore that one out. Oh, yeah. I, I don't know why, but I always liked that second side. I always enjoyed that it, one. It gave it that weird, like, 
like drunk robot precision kind of thing. Like the sleep kind of has that weird like trudging because it's so slow. But there are some. I think with every album, you get you get like the handful of songs that are always like your favorites, and then there's others that you kind of get back into later. Like yesterday, I was listening to Clash with Reality, and I always like the song, but then I, I keep forgetting about that ridiculous ending where it's just like, I mean, that's straight ahead thrash at the end. Oh yeah, just yeah balls yeah, out explosion. Just yeah. it's like wow. But it's like there's all those songs like Cemetery Gates. That was probably one of the first ones when I first heard this that I was. Because I thought it was a great song and it was melodic, and which wasn't really more the Pantera, the later stuff, but there was a ton of melody on this album. But like Heresy, Primal Concrete Sledge, particularly Medicine Man and Message in Blood. Yeah, I love those, those songs. Those two were See? immense. All right, here goes my unpopular opinion. Uh oh. Yeah. You didn't like those? Huh? You didn't like those? Those two songs are probably two that I think might not that could probably not be on the album. Really? Oh, man. I know, I know. Totally. Yeah. Medicine Man in particular. Really? I don't I know like why, but it just seems... One time when I was listening through to it, it just seemed... It's different than the other ones, for it sure. Just, it was Maybe it's just the, the track, where it's at on the album. Maybe it should have been in a different spot for like, me, but like it just... Four or it five just sort of spot? It just sort of seemed like it kind of... I don't know. It just didn't flow to me. Yeah. I could kind of see that. I'm not saying it's a bad song. Yeah, yeah. It's just... Yeah. I see what I you're saying. Know. I don't know. It just seemed... Those two towards the end, just sort of kind of like, it's not as as thrash as um, it's it definitely has more of the melodic. Yeah, it's a little more know. moody. Yeah, which I, is I'm not so like, like I said, it's not bad, but maybe if they'd have moved those up in the list, yeah, because like you come all like the way four. through Clash with Reality and it's just like it's in your face, balls out, just smacking you around, and then as it the album starts wearing on, you get. Medicine Man was just kind of, I don't know, it just kind of meanders a little bit. But then Message of Blood kind of comes back in with sort of a punch to the face, yeah. sort of. I mean, it kind of But But then to up. me, it's like once you, you get back to the sleep and the art of shredding, and it's just like it's right back to just asking. The art of shredding. You know is, I mean? The art of shredding is. It's like I have insane. a, I think my favorite track on my whole album, and it always has been, is Domination. Just oh, because I just yes. I just love the way the riff. Yeah, oh, yeah. The, the way it just flows and then the end of it when it does that left right thing you know and uh but then it's like a toss-up i mean cowboys is classic sledge is classic but the art of shredding i mean it's like the art of shredding when it it's like that little it does that thing at the beginning and then that freaking riff comes in and melts your face uh, yeah <laughs> it's just like oh. and then as the badass riff is going the just the groovy drums right. along with it too. It's yep. just like man, that's that's one of I think that's uh, an underlying thing with Pantera that you know some people talk about but not a whole lot is is Vinnie Paul's drumming. Yeah. Oh, it's amazing because us coming from more thrash, we're just used to you know just straight ahead thrash beats, and then Vinnie Vinnie's like taking it back, doing all these little double bass things and popping the snare every once in a while and. Yeah, it's like Very non-traditional back. style, right? Right for sure. for that heavy, but but then like some of those parts where it's just when it's thrashing. needed, it's yeah, there. He he freaking pummels yeah. it. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think interesting story about that. I think I heard that the drum that he had, the snare that he uses is like a marching snare, or I think it's what he used on Vulgar Display of Power. Maybe that and his ballet shoes. <laughs> ballet shoes. <laughs> <laughs> what kind of drummer wears ballet shoes, man? You ain't, hell yeah, you ain't a real drummer if you don't wear ballet shoes. One thing I wanted to say about Domination, um, first of all, that, that riff at the end is 
just ridiculous. But what I want to know, the question that's been burning in my mind, and I'm sure everyone out there in internet land has thought about, is who is Bart and why does he sing like a motherfucker? Do you have any idea what I'm talking about? Is that exactly what he says? Listen to the very beginning of it. It sounds like he's like, I say he's like a motherfucker. Yeah. I've never completely understood what he said there. So, so I'm thinking it's Bart he and said, he sings like a motherfucker. I thought he said this fart stinks like a motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> that makes way more sense. <laughs> I like that better. That makes I mean. way more sense. Uh, just, I kept thinking, who the fuck is Bart? Why does he sing? I mean, how do you sing like a motherfucker? I don't even know what that I means. Phil sings like a motherfucker. Yeah. Well, something stink like a motherfucker. Right. I don't know why something can't sing like a motherfucker. How did I never hear that? This fart stinks like a motherfucker. I don't know. That's just what I heard. <laughs> anyway. How did I miss it? Yeah, I don't know. It's My least just, favorite uh, probably is... Um, least favorite track? Yeah, it's probably um, Shattered. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Kind of. I mean, it's, it's, it's got good, moments. But. It's a good one. It's kind of like um, Invaders. Invader. It's just yeah. kind of, it's just in well, a, see, you know. I don't, that's like it doesn't that's the one where, yeah. that's one of the ones where the, the priest thing clicked with me, where it sounded a lot, the way, the way the, uh, the way the riff went with the vocals over it, it just, yeah. it had a classic kind of priest sort mm. of vibe to me, so. It kind of came know. back to I me mean, when I listened to it. It, it sort of, I kind of saw the things I liked about it, but for me, it, it was sort of like what he was saying. It just kind of didn't quite get me as fired up as like some of the others, so like Message yeah. of Blood or Heresy or something like yeah. that. But, but you know, if, if you think about most good albums that I've noticed this, the more I've listened to them, even though this one might have some exceptions, it really does follow the the hook like it starts off strong and i'm not gonna say the name because i don't want us to get in trouble for copyright infringement but it's like it starts off super strong and then it kind of dips a little bit and then it comes back and finishes strong yeah i remember that conversation with nick yeah the nick our former illustrious bass player don't mind whispering anyway we have some tracks to discuss yeah maybe we could just talk about the tracks maybe i don't know oh yeah tell you guys what to do so much to talk about well i mean there's just i actually made some notes too although you definitely put a lot more effort into yours oh you know we call it metal nerdery so i was nerding vinnie vincent no vinnie vincentitis (laughs) (laughs) doc can you give me a shot (laughs) i got a bad case of vincentitis (laughs) i gotta play fast all the time bunch of incoherent gibberish (laughs) along with the lyrics was talking about the music i don't know anyway well you title track cowboys from hell that opener was so cool I, 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 like when it first started and you hear that little it's like all right well they screw up the tape machine or something and you hear it and you're thinking oh man is this what the whole thing's gonna sound like <laughs> and then when it gets to the da, 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 it's like it comes in it's like okay this is like a brick wall on yeah. wheels and everything and everything just kicks in and the tightness though like that God, just well, that's what I insane. said here. I was like, it's, it was, yeah. it was like heavy and everything, but it was a different kind of heavy than what we were. It just had that Texas kind of groove swagger. It, it was that tight live too, man. It exactly. was, oh, yeah, I mean, exactly. it was ridiculous. It didn't matter how freaking drunk those no. bastards were, <laughs> and we know they were. <laughs> those guys there. were always freaking tight as a gnat's ass. Oh, yeah. I don't know. It was just, but I guess one thing that was cool to me was it seemed like the vocals were. He just hit all kind of spots with the vocals. I oh, mean, yeah. he sang some parts, he growled some parts. He was, 
he got little that was kind of like his the precursor to his little black metal pterodactyl scream that he yeah <laughs> started doing later on but the metal pterodactyl yeah well you can only do that for so long yeah right yeah he's still doing <laughs> it 20 something years later no the high pitch you uh, can only do that for so long i think the thing i like so much about the, the title track is in a weird i don't even want to say cheesy way but i noticed this when i was listening to it it kind of seems like a like the pantera mission statement if you listen to it, if you listen to all the components, like the different yeah. vocal things he was doing musically, was the solo stuff, it's, it's almost like if you had to, you know, because corporations have that, here's our mission statement. But with Pantera, Cowboys from Hell captured all of it. The melody, the groove, the precision, definitely the heaviness, because, I mean, that's well, almost I mean, got even, balls he for even days. Point blank says it, you know, we're, we're taking over your town, so. I'm taking <laughs> over this town. Nah. So just, I don't know, just something about it just grabbed you as more, I don't want to say intimate or whatever. Because like, like you listen to a lot of bands and they're singing about whatever they're singing. But like Pantera, it was like Phil was freaking talking to you or something. You yeah, know it was what like I mean? a very it was like, personal like, conversation almost. It was like he was talking to you, pumping you up, like, you know, we're going to come kick your ass and yeah. you're going to like it. and <laughs> <laughs> You're going to come back for more. Right? Good stuff. Uh, this... The title track, anytime we ever got all of our gear loaded up and took off to play a gig, I was I was listening to that. That was the one. That yeah. was like my, my pre-show uh, get fired up. There you go. You know, shit to listen to. Yeah. That, that's just, one of those songs that just like, remember how we were talking about before about it can't be loud enough? That can't be loud enough. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's one of those, like I'll turn it on just when the drums start. It just, it's like I'm getting... You know, getting beat in the face or something by Mike Tyson, but it's just drums, and it's like wow, because it's just so intense. And you're getting beat in the face, it. but that was by uh, never mind. <laughs> that was Jeff Tate. Sorry, I am <laughs> <laughs> Jeff Tate. I'm on the cover of the Vulgar Display of Power. <laughs> That's the next album. We won't talk about it here. <laughs> uh, then you got like we talked about earlier, Primal Concrete Sledge. I mean, just. Uh, that was just a whole different kind of groove right there. I mean, oh, just yeah. just very... You know what's weird about that is that after that whole, you know, the constant kind of steamroller barrage of the drums and, like, the fast vocals, like, leading up to the chorus part, like, when it gets to that middle part before it gets back into that, you know, rolling steamroller thing, it almost seems like that little breakup with taking the drums and kind of minimizing them instead of, you know, just, like, yeah. just kick, snare, kick. It like makes that whole middle part just brutally heavy, and there's not even really any heavy riff stuff. It's just the bass right. and the drums with like Daryl doing his thing over it, but it sounds huge, like abnormally huge relative to like the way it sounded with the rolling drums right. before. You know, this nice. album is is like that with a lot of um, you know. Whereas before it was always a you know it was just nonstop that yep. you know and. Yep. With a lot of bands, but I mean, he was all over the place. He, it was a down on down on down on I mean, he was all all over the place, and it wasn't just always dun, 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 you know. Yeah. Well, yeah. his riffs had personality to him. It was kind of like, I guess, kind of like how Tony like Tony Iommi's riffs were never very straightforward. They were always sort of he'd throw things in there that were like, ooh, where did that yeah, come from? and dimes kind of did the same thing. Yeah, yeah, but. Yeah, that's that's kind of one of my uh, favorite. And it was still heavy, you know. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah, he, yeah. It was he kind of was which kind of using that 
ACDC, uh, every once in a while, less is more kind of approach, right. you know what I mean? Yeah. Where you didn't have to fill up every second right? to make it heavy. Because that, that, that's kind of what like, we keep talking about where we grew up. is like fast, you know, right. fat, heavy meant fast. Yeah, yeah. And they kind of yeah. took heavy, slowed it down, and thickened it up. And, yeah, with and a just, punch. Right. You can yeah. have a little space in there, and it's like it just explodes it like multiple just orders of magnitude. It was probably the sound too, like you guys were saying with the different amps yeah. as well. Yeah. Well, if you listen to Cowboys like on top a, of it, there's a lot of reverb on the drums and the bass is very, I think on that album, I think the bass might be the most prominent of any the, of the other yeah, ones. Yeah. Rex's bass tone is, is another thing I think gets uh, glossed over because of dime bag and, and Phil. But don't you but, think on Cowboys it's stronger than the other album? Yeah, it just yeah. he's got a very strong bass presence, nice meaty tone, and his bass lines are actually cool. You know what I mean? He's he, but the way he's that, subtle, but he does. Really this one's more things. choppy than the other ones, though. If you think about it, you know, Cowboys the song is a lot structure more. Or the bass itself. No, the song structure is a lot is a lot more choppy than the rest of the albums. It is, but it's which it's is probably why you hear it more. But it's all the the production in general. I think for that, I mean, that started the their path of the way they would produce their albums because they all had that same tone and feel and intensity sure. something about rex's bass on cowboys just seems a lot more up front and really more in tune with the drums i don't know if it's because of the reverb on the drums like that but the bass makes it sound like just you know prehistorically huge well, or whatever well while we're talking about that the uh <clears throat> that one groove part on heresy like towards the towards the end of the song it's about three and a half minutes in is that you know part I'm talking about? Oh, the where it comes yeah. in that little yeah, that little yeah, about three minutes forty six seconds. There's like this, oh, there's like this riff. bass thonk. You go back and listen. To it. I'd never really heard it before. And Nick, I'm telling him he's famous now. But, uh, <laughs> Nick, you're famous. Now. Nick and I were sitting somewhere in his car one day. We were listening to Cowboys from Hell, and, and I, I guess I just never heard it or paid attention or whatever. And he, he brought it to my attention. We went back and listened to it. I was like, hell yeah. You I've, know? I've always, every time I hear that part, it just sounds like, yeah, it's just, just, yeah. it's just it's like this one second of raunch, you know what I mean? Bonk. But it adds a certain amount of intensity to it. Like he must have like smacked the shit out of somebody with a headstock or something <laughs> like, oh, what did he do? He's playing bass. Just go with it. But yeah, you can hear that. And then there's that weird sort of, Sounds like a fly, like a airplane flying overhead or barnstorming something, or it's that same kind of bass sound, but it's like, yeah. Gotcha. I know the sound effects weren't great, but I was trying That's to replicate awesome. it the best I could. Awesome. Heresy is a badass song. I, I think it that is. that yeah. intro thing I always thought was really weird. Like the very, and I'm not talking about the the actual intro riff. I'm talking about you know you hear it sounds like that weird airplane noise going overhead. Mm-hmm. And then you hear like the harmonics on the guitar and there's like some kind of little squeaky sound in the back background. Like, what the fuck is that? It just, it doesn't sound like any kind of instrument. And then it goes for a little bit longer and it's just kind of like you're scratching your head. Like, what is that noise? And then that riff comes in. It's just like, oh, that's what that noise was. Well, plus with Heresy, you know, you had that part where you just point blank tells you to lick his sack. So, that's right. Know, I mean, <laughs> Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> so they can lick my sex. <laughs> but uh, I think no, we already I'll talked about Psycho day. Holiday a little bit. And that was that was the one where the solo section kind of had a Van Halen vibe to me. It just the drums and the bass were just kind of 
plodding along and yeah. he was doing kind of a fun sort of kind of lead over the top of it. You Even know the I mean? riff for that song is kind of fun though. It's, it's like it's a good analogy that Van Halen. Next time you sense. listen to the yeah. album. Yeah, keep but, that in but the you can listen Absolutely. to any of them. But I mean, that one particularly. But it's like listening to any of them. It's got that. It's like the minute you said that, I was like, that makes perfect sense. It's like I understand everything in the universe now. Well, that's kind of one of my favorite things about Dimebag was even in his solos. He, because we talked about Vinnie Vincentitis, you know, some yeah, some some lead players have to go balls out all the time. But Dimebag knew how to, he would dial it back, you know what I mean? But he knew how to bring it when he needed to bring it, but it's kind of like, I'm going to blow you away with it right now, but now I'm going to play a couple of Gilmore style, just a few notes, and just roll with it. Well, it was one of the things, like, when they were talking about a little Pantera-type reunion, whatever, and they were talking about Zach Wilde. I'm not taking anything away from Zach Wilde, but he's he's not a dime. Zach Wilde has more of any Vincentitis to me. It's like, even on ballads, (laughs) once his solo starts, he's a... <laughs> it's like, dude, you know, you just back it down just a little bit, you know. But that, this is one of my favorite things, even with, with his riffing and his soloing. You know, he didn't. He was always tasteful because everything he did was very balanced. Like some, he could always right, do right. the showy, I mean, notey stuff, but then he yeah. could also lay back and. He did what was right for the song. You know, he, he it was the song first, and then if he could fit in something crazy, he would do it. Obviously, but right. you know. well, even like that breakdown riff on the art of shredding, it's like it's the most simple riff, right? right. And it's just like just like just that simple little riff. It's like a nothing riff, but it's just so fucking massive. Plus, metal. Yeah, exactly. Very metal. Very metal. I don't know. Cemetery Gates? Did we talk about Heresy? Cemetery Gates. I thought it was a great ballad from the minute I first heard it. In fact, I think that and probably the title track and Primal Concrete Sledge and Domination were like my favorite songs when I first heard that album. But something about Cemetery Gates, it's hard for me to listen to now for personal reasons. It's more meaningful in a weird way, but it was just like that killer power ballad, you know? It was like it had the acoustic intro with like a little almost piano sound in the background yeah, and yeah that's what i was saying it kind of like let us tough metal guys let out our inner ballad side you know what I mean? <laughs> but it wasn't like but it was still heavy and it wasn't like i love you type of song lyrics you know right. what i mean it was a darker kind no, of it was definitely darker but it like it still had the melody i mean that, it, yeah, that riff brought the heavy to it and i think that song of any pantera song especially on cowboys from hell the album i think that album or that song specifically cemetery gates probably has the most melody of any pantera song yeah well plus the ending of it when phil's like going way rob halford yeah and And then dimes going all mariah carey guitar style like trying (laughs) to scream into the atmosphere hey let's see if dogs can hear this ready (laughs) (laughs) i think the aliens are contacting us who knew mariah was was a yeah, I don't know. But it definitely had that had that kind of ballady thing, though. But but yeah, that song was just dripping. With even the riff was so melodic. Like I love that riff. Like the minute I heard it, I was just that song was just that was it. But I remember it was funny. I think when we saw him, I think it was that show back when they played with Slayer. And yes, that was the show. That was when we had a problem with Taco Bell, like waiting forever to get our food afterwards. But but Pantera. This was back when Phil, I think, was in the throes of not good stuff and they went to play cemetery gates and it's like 
it was like him trying to be melodic with like Trinkill vocal style. It just right. totally sounded fucked yeah. up and weird. It was like, what are you doing, man? Just and he seemed completely just disengaged. Yeah. Like I don't want to play this goddamn song anymore. <laughs> I don't like melody. I know I sound like Elvis, but I'm really not. <laughs> uh huh. I just, I just want to know who Melody is. Who's Melody? Uh, she was my uh, merchandising manager on tour last year. Uh, 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 the, the, you just, you just got to get up here and talk nonsense. So don't I, I got it. I got to plug the group. I'm Millie, sorry. What does this got to do with anything? I'm, I'll go back to the couch. I'm sorry. C- carry on. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, yeah, and then domination. Oh yeah, just uh, completely badass, start to finish. I it mean, just reminds absolutely. me of like a T Rex just, just trudging across the countryside, smashing everything, especially that last part. Oh, yeah. This song just made me want to break stuff all the time. I mean, it's just start to finish. For those who are wanting the actual surgical second as to when that part starts, it's a minute 13 left in the track. So if you're, you know, if you're like me and you're a complete nerd and you have your CD player display, CD player, what's that? It's old technology. But I have mine set down where it's countdown. I have mine set where it's countdown. I don't know what kind of words I'm saying. They get confused sometimes. <laughs> But when there's a minute and 13 seconds left, you'll listen to that part. Real heavy. Good stuff. <laughs> Made me want to break stuff, too. <laughs> Shattered was kind of, eh. That was another one that had a very uh, strong priest vibe to me. So, it Well, definitely in the vocal department, I think, for sure. And a lot of the riffs, too. I mean, a lot of those riffs on Cowboys kind of had that, but... The, this is one of the things that I, I hate about I hate and love about albums. I guess you'd call it a, a hate love or love hate relationship. I hate it that like every great album has at least one, maybe even two songs or more that are just kind of like, eh. Why didn't you just put that as like a B side or just not even include it? Yeah, and it's not that it's bad, but you know what I mean. Like in context, I guess like the thought about Medicine Man before out the flow. There's some songs it's just like you could have just deleted that one and it would have fixed it. It's different for everybody though. That's true, it is. You know? Exactly. Yeah. You know, some people probably think that's that's one of the best, you know, better songs on the album, but Yeah. They probably have a website dedicated to it. Right. <laughs> well right. I don't know, I kinda have a long standing this is just me being old at this point, I think, but <gasps> I my, say. my kid disagrees with me, but I think like an album should be capped at ten songs. Ten's oh, yeah. good. It's that's a nice just, round that's number. Just me. It's eight, nice... to, eight to ten songs. I think once you get past ten songs, you start getting into that territory where it's like, did this out? Did this song really need to be on the album? I don't know. You know, not that it's a bad song, but yeah, but it's like, hey, there's fifteen tracks in this album, and nine of them are actually good. Right. Well, then you could have just thrown those other six away. I don't know. Like I said, I think that's just that's just my opinion. Ten's a round number, but here's my I think thing. It's just the way I grew up listening to because you know cassettes were sort of time restrained right you know you can only fit so much music on them but i like i like the 10 song guideline but but don't make one of those 10 songs like some stupid shitty intro that's a minute and 13 seconds no, long. no i agree with that i think <laughs> if you got stupid. like little little interludes then you know maybe you could bump it up but... to like 18 or something yeah <laughs> well there's like eight little 10 second parts <laughs> that are really critical to the flow of the album yeah don't 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 cheat me to that so Anyway, whatever. Clash with Reality. I, I thought that was kind of the weirdest intro ever. Like, it sounded like a snare drum roll that just kind of... 
I don't know. It had like this weird, like, are we shooting somebody out of a cannon? What What's going on? <laughs> and of course, it has that intensity when it comes in. But initially, it's like, where is this going? And then it kicks in. It's like, all right, that's cool. And then it, the groove kind of kicks. And then it's like, when it gets to that breakdown part toward the end where it's just like straight out thrash madness, it's like, holy right. crap, how did yeah. I forget about this? Yeah. I think when it starts out, it just always kind of had like a heavy rock kind of riff vibe. Yeah. Me, you know what I mean? It's... It's not like heavy per se. It's kind of more of their rock side kind of. Well, the production, the guitar sound makes it heavy. It, it, well, you know, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. I mean, it's just, but you're right. It's not like a historically super metal sounding riff, but for whatever reason, like you take that, like if you took that riff and put it on the first Black Sabbath album, it wouldn't have that same production. It might still have that same power right. because of the riff, but then you throw in, you know, like if you go back in time and record the first Black Sabbath album with Cowboys from Hell production. Holy crap, what would that sound like? <laughs> Can you even imagine? No. But, yeah, but would that work? I don't yeah, know. I don't Kinda. know. It's it's gotta be it's gotta be dark and Van Halen was not dark. That's true. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That's what made Sabbath Sabbath was But imagine that's what made Sabbath Sabbath instead of Earth. But yeah. imagine dark. If Tony right, Iomi you know? had time back Daryl's guitar sound in nineteen seventy. Yeah, but I don't know uh, if that would work though. It would have melted people's faces. It would have been completely yeah, but, different. It's like, do you really think Slayer could have like made it in 1970 if they got in a time machine and put out Rain and Blood in 1970? I mean, well, most people probably wouldn't like it. Just like, like <laughs> that's true. You know what I'm would. saying? I mean, back yeah. then that would have been the that would have probably terrified them. Yeah. They would have thought they were like audio terrorists or something. Well, yeah, I mean, the devil. Hello, devil's coming to blow up your eardrums. Uh, Medicine Man, Adam's yeah. least favorite pick. Yeah, the it's just I don't know. It has definitely got that kind of visual storytelling. I, I dig the vibe of it because it kind of has that darker, weird kind of, you know, it's got a definite heavy riff to it, but it's like it goes into that weird, darker territory. Like, what's he talking about? It just, I don't know. It just sort of kind of. You're right. Like it, it kind of. I see what you're saying. It could have gone know. sooner. I would have probably stuck that where I would have probably dumped shattered about where Medicine Man was. Just yeah, me. I think. I think maybe uh, I might have moved it up. I think Medicine Man might have been better around Cemetery Gates. Yeah, just because it's a little slower, or maybe, maybe like between would've... Cemetery Gates and Domination. Well, you got to think about at the time too. It was a side, right? Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah. right. So you want to have forget a, about that. Yeah, yeah. You want to have a kind of a chill song on each side. Yeah. You know. Yep. So, and nowadays, for all the vinyl geeks, it. it's like, well, that's vinyl. But what do you mean back then? <clears throat> That was what are cassettes. you saying, Paul Stanley? It was cassettes. I think you heard me just fine, Punchy. <laughs> Paul Stanley. <laughs> I know. Sorry, that's my Paul Stanley impression. Uh, Wasn't very good. Yeah. Message in Blood. That message is in Blood. Message in Blood. I think that was the beginning of that super like power groove kind of vibe that they got going. It's your cryptic warning. I just like the uh, that riff that came after the kind of the intro riff had those weird pinches and oh the like the kind of pre-burst yeah thing. it was just it kind of bounced around had this yeah weird... that that was a that goes back to like the drumming thing that was one of the most unusual sounding riffs because it yeah. was so fucked up like what is he playing yeah but at the same time it had this just weird i can't even put it into words but it was just it was, it was so like muffled too right yeah, yeah, it was super yeah, tight. It, yeah. it was just, it was odd. I mean, yeah. just 
different. It wasn't your traditional riff. I guess right. I guess the one consistent thing about every track on this album is that there were a lot of riffs that were taken from the traditional, but there's a lot of stuff that he did that was way off the grid in terms of like standard. Because I remember back then, even when we would write stuff, that that had an impact on it. Because we'd start thinking about the way we were playing things, and it it changed the vibe, the dynamic. Because then we'd start thinking about, hey, let's try this. But like the riffs on that were just, but that riff specifically was yeah, really cool. Was just, I always thought that was badass. Yeah, kind of odd. It was good. I dug it. The sleep. Yeah, see, this is where it, everything went back to kicking ass for me. It kind of had that acoustic intro, kind of your sort of classic thrash. You know, a lot of thrash bands were doing the acoustic some, intros, you know. Yeah. That was pretty much a staple it, uh, in the 80s for sure. And then it just, uh, I don't know, it just started kicking ass after that. Kind of went back into the acoustic like part intro, later though, on. That, that acoustic part, I always thought that was really cool. Tasty. Oh, yeah, super tasty. And that had... I think that had one of the better solos on that album too. It just yeah, had that real think, feel uh, vibe to it. Yeah, I think. Uh, yeah. Yeah, was, nice and classy, not over the top. Yeah, it was. It's good. It definitely had. I think that album had a lot of like right there was you know classic metal. It definitely had a lot of the old classic metal, like the priest stuff even like kind of taking that and elevating it. But it had a lot of those elements. Right. Of course, after that, they kind of got more into the even darker, more intense, heavier stuff. But, but yeah, the sleep—I always thought that song was really, really awesome. Very good. And then uh, finality. Of course, you end it with the fucking artist shredding. That's right. This is the art. Listen to that today. Shredding just when I was working out. Face melter, man. That damn Big riff time. when it kicks in, just you're just like. Rah! Right there. That one can never <laughs> get out. to go? <laughs> Does it go to 11? That thing, man, it just, you know, even when it kicks down into the groove, it's still heavy, it's tasty, and then then it breaks into that fast freaking just, you know. That was just, that's one of those where it comes back to having like an element of thrash in it. And it's like that album all throughout, because remember, this was 1990, so this was after the, the glory years of the 80s thrash scene, but then it's like it took that whole scene and kind of adopted it and made it like a new thing. But there's yeah. elements of it. Like the artist shredding, there's a shitload of thrash style guitar oh, yeah. playing. Absolutely. In that. Absolutely. I just, uh, they said a lot of people didn't really get it when this album first came out. But I think, I mean, we all appreciated the, the heavy groovy parts of it, but I think maybe something that worked with our crowd was the fact that they were kind of incorporated some of that thrash into it. Yeah. And so that kind of piqued our ear, you know? Yeah. And then, so then when it slowed down and got heavy and groovy, then we were like, fuck yeah, man, yeah. that's awesome. Yeah. yeah. It did kind of but, bring that to the forefront. Cause I think that's yeah. why everybody that we knew that got into it, cause we were all into the whole thrash scene. So it was like when that came out, it was like, oh, you mean there's something new that's <laughs> yeah. like that, but even better. Yeah. How could you not like that? Yeah. It's like, wait a minute. You mean there's a there's a new, bigger, and better pizza that's even better than this pizza I was having before? <laughs> I got to have that pizza. <laughs> Sounds like a good pizza. Yeah. I don't know. Overall, I think like we talked about one time before, that kind of just set the tone for the metal in the 90s. Yeah. I mean, they were... I think so. They, I had, were, I, they were the flag bearers of it. I, yeah. I wrote this, this down to describe the kind of metal that Pantera was, at least with regard to the art of shredding and probably this album in general. And it may sound kind of dumb, but I'm going to read it anyway. Probably. 
please disregard the nonsense you just heard. Sorry, a message from Jeff Tate. I would call Pantera, you ready for this? Party, power, thrash, groove, boogie, shred metal. Absolutely. Amen. I'd say that fucking, it fucking hits the nail on like the head. It. I like it. Because yeah. I was thinking of all the things. I'm like, that's it. In a nutshell, that is the Pantera mission statement. Yep. I think that's, keep saying it over and over again, but that's just my favorite aspect of it is it's freaking loud, fast, heavy, and fun. Right. It brings, it just brought the fun aspect yeah. to it, which a lot of stuff we listened to, there was no fun to it. We liked it. It kicked ass, but there wasn't like a fun part. It was right. always <laughs> oppressive. It was like, <laughs> right. everything sucks. We're all going to die. It's like nuclear war. <laughs> Pterodactyls are going to swipe us from the ground and carry us off to a mountain somewhere. Yeah, but it was still good. Yeah, yeah. We still, liked it. we still had a good time with it. Absolutely. We were very bleak about the outlook of our future, but we still totally enjoyed it. It still helps to relieve the stress, right? Oh, yes, yeah. Exactly. Like I said yesterday, who needs cow gum when you have primal concrete sludge? There you go. Just saying. There you go. So, cow gum? Um, Cal gone. <laughs> cow gone. Hold on, I gotta go down to Cutlaw Boulevard cow. and get some cow gum. Y'all need anything? What is cow gum. Hold on. Oh, God, God damn it, Millie! I can't go to the grocery store for you, son. Just go back to the couch. We'll, we'll go later. Sorry, guys. Yeah, cow gum. It's a, it's a new uh, rib place down there on Cutlaw Boulevard. <laughs> uh, come check us out. Cow gum Tuesday nights, wing night. <laughs> Saying cow gun or cow cow gum gum cow gum yeah cow gum that's what I thought he said cow gum. <laughs> well I just thought you know, not Bart, a cow bell but a cow gum you know I thought Bart sing like a motherfucker but this <laughs> Bart stinks like a motherfucker that makes way more sense something that also wasn't apparent to me until just now kind of like the whole Van Halen party metal thing didn't even think he was talking about a fart I thought he was talking about Bart and why he sings like a motherfucker. Yeah. Learn something every day. Yeah. I did. That anyway, might not be it, but that's what it sounded like. <laughs> I'm going to go back and listen to it now just to try and find out. Anyway, that is the Metal Nerdery album dive, Cowboys from Hell. Hope you enjoyed. Nerd out. Thank you. As always. This is Metal Nerdery. I think everybody knows it's fake Ozzy. It, by the way, in case it wasn't obvious, this is fake obvious. Fake obvious. <laughs> <laughs> this is fake obvious, Osborne. <laughs> and you're listening to Metal Nerdery. <laughs> fake obvious, Osborne. <laughs> Hello, this is obvious, Osborne. <laughs> 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 Obvious Osborne. That's fucking genius. I can't uh, remember that. That's a good one. Oh, man. This is Obvious Osborne, and you're listening to Metal Nerdery. Isn't it obvious? <laughs> <laughs>